Well, you're in your little room And you're working on something good But if it's really good You're gonna need a bigger room And when you're in the bigger room You might not know what to do You might have to think of how you got started Sitting in your little room It's Saturday, August 29th, 2015. It's 9 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time here in Portland, Oregon. I'm Jack Miller. And I'm Shannon Emerson. And this is White Tiger Radio Live. Thank you for listening in. So this is our Niagara of Truth show. And Shannon, it was your concept to do this show. So I'm dying to know, really, even more than usual, what's on your mind tonight? Well, you know, I I can't remember the conversation about this show. And can you just tell us what the show what what the show is tonight? Let's start there. You want to start here? Yeah. Tonight's show is True Things. The concept was there's a Niagara of Truth coming. Waterfall, giant torrent, however you want to refer to a large amount of water metaphorically representing truth splashing down on your head. What we did was we asked listeners to send us something true in 90 seconds or less, and that's what you're going to hear tonight, along with some songs that we've picked, and of course, things that Shannon and me, I, mm. grammar, true, true grammar. That was a bummer. Yeah, oh, bummer. Uh, that's, so yeah, you know, that's, that's the show, Niagara of Truth. Okay. Now I'm remembering, now you're remembering. what the show's about. Now and that I've jogged your memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I do remember, yeah, well, we decided to do that. I kind of was afraid that that was what the show was about tonight because I I hate to just tear it all down before it even gets started. I don't think I you don't ha- want to do that. I don't think you hate it that much. I do. I just... I, You're a terror downer. I, I don't want to do it, but I have to. It does seem to compelled happen. Compelled to. From time to time. So the trouble is... Well, you know, as I always say, the only truth is that there is no truth. That's right. Blah, blah, blah. You say that all the time. And then, you and Socrates. And then we have dinner, you know? That's what we say every night yeah. before we have dinner. Instead of and, grace, like other families, yeah. we just say that the only thing I know is that I know nothing. So I hate to, before we even get started, because we had a lot of listeners contribute and we have a lot of good stuff. True things. Um, well, I hope it doesn't take away from the show but i just i i want to acknowledge that there is no truth and you will not be tyrannized by it exactly the concept because not by it because you can't be tyrannized by something that doesn't exist but you won't be tyrannized by the concept of truth since it doesn't exist so i'm going to do something super pretentious right now bring it but then i'm going to do something not pretentious after probably i'll decide later so i'm going to quote kant Emmanuel Kant or Fred, one. or Freddie Kant? Oh, I don't know. Emmanuel Kant. Yeah. Yeah. Freddie, Freddie Kant. Freddie Kant was a pamphleteer. He wrote pamphlets. He probably wouldn't have read his stuff. <laughs> oh my God. This is insane. So here's what Emmanuel Kant said regarding truth. 
Now I can compare the object of my cognition, however, only by cognizing it. Leave it to Emmanuel. Hence, my cognition is supposed to confirm itself, which is far short of being sufficient for truth. And I have to say that I could not agree more. You could not agree more? I could not agree more. I fully agree. You're incapable of agreeing more, or there's no level of agreement that is more than I've your maxed level. out on agreement with Kant. Read it again. I got to think about it. I got to wrap my head around it. It's, it, it, it no, I'll tell you. So here's the fast. deal. Here's what it means. Here's what he means. He means that, so if, say, truth as we imagine it were a pinball and you were playing a pinball machine. I'm with you so far. And you would let loose the pinball and every time it touched something, that was an action, but it was not a truth. And then eventually you'd lose the ball. Get it? I uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I think I think that what I'm looking at is a mind that has been blown. Yeah. It, <laughs> <laughs> you can listen to the podcast. You'll get it later. Right. Insert, we're going to insert the sound no, effect. We are absolutely not going to do that. In fact, we're going to edit that out. We're going to edit that when I just said. Yes, <laughs> we are. Okay. Kant quote. Freddie Kant would have simply said. You just live and you experience things and you die and then it goes away because the only repository for your memories is your brain. That's what Freddie would have said. And then he would say, please return this pamphlet to my office because I don't have enough money to print more pamphlets. Right. Pamphlets are hard to print. They're expensive. So Emmanuel Kant, Freddie Kant, so far we've gone to a couple of places and... I haven't even talked about Nietzsche yet and I'm not going to because he'll just make Kant seem insignificant. So... I I used to really look forward to asking you what was on your mind, and, and now I'm starting to have this kind of existential dread, especially when you push aside Nietzsche for an Immanuel Kant quote. That's just... However... That's a, that's a schism in the, in the yeah. Bruin. Well, when I said there was going to be a Niagara of truth, I wasn't kidding. Yeah, and I, and I just thought it was just going to be a fun little show where people sent us in clips and we played them. Ooh, let's do that. Let's play the clips. Oh, where have you been, my blue-eyed son? Where have you been, my darling, you're one? I've stumbled on the side of twelve misty mountains Walked down my crawled on six crooked highways Stepped in the middle of seven sand forests Been out in front of a dozen dead oceans I've been ten thousand miles in the mother the graveyard It's a hard
Six truths. Number one, photos or film of chimps in clothing should be banned forever, no exceptions. Number two, when you leave the table and don't finish your alcoholic drink, a leprechaun dies. And it's sad because there are only 137 leprechauns left in the world. But fortunately, they're randy, fertile little fuckers. Number three, to all the pink freckled people like me, the sun is not your friend. The earth needs the sun to exist, but when you're out in the world on a sunny day, it's trying to kill you. So grab shade or die. Number four, who cares how the toilet paper hangs off the roll? That's fucking stupid. Number five, you will become your parents. You say you won't, but you will. You'll look, talk, and even smell like them. And there's nothing you can do about it, except get depressed and drink. Then, if your parents were like mine, I'm proving my point. Number six, dogs are essential for this reason, dropped food. When I drop food at someone's party and they don't have a dog, I stare at it for a moment and walk away. Then I go tell those people, get a goddamn dog. I think if we're honest, we would admit that a lot of the art forms we grew up with are dead. Novels, poetry, other forms of media which require attention spans. I think that, in fact, we should sort of embrace the fact that we have permanently affected attention spans as influenced by technology and maybe discover new forms or means of creativity. In particular, think about electronic music and the computer as, as a musical instrument itself. And I think it's wonderful that you can create the instruments by using the computer to create sounds, let alone before you, you play your first rhythm. But I think for romantic reasons and maybe nostalgic reasons, it's hard for us to, to give up on what we fondly recall from our childhood as stories that influenced us or just that stuck in our memories. Good morning. Time to get up and go to work. sleep late, man. It's just much easier on your constitution. Alright, this is what I think about people, and uh, this is where it's going to get really weird. I think human beings are just a very complicated form of bacteria. 
I think if you looked at the Earth as a living organism, and who's to say that it's not some sort of a super organism? It's certainly a host for life, and we're considered a living organism, but really we're a host for life. There's more E. coli living inside our gut than there have ever been people ever. There's bacteria that's constantly around you, and your, your body's fighting off that bacteria until your body grows old and dies. And then it doesn't fight it anymore, and that bacteria just eats your body. That's what it does. I mean, that's that's what it's there for. Okay, well, if you looked at the Earth as this living organism, and like you were flying into LA, and you're passing over these beautiful mountains, and you see the ocean ahead, it all looks natural and beautiful, but then you see LA. Well, what the fuck is that? That's a growth. That's cancer. It's big, and it's brown, and it stinks, and smoke's coming out of it, and it gets bigger every year. And it doesn't matter what you do, it's gonna keep going. You can knock it down with a fucking hurricane. It rebuilds. Light it on fire, rebuilds. And I think if you were an intelligent life form from another planet and you were looking at the Earth, you wouldn't see individual people. You wouldn't see housekeepers and limo drivers and stand-up comedians. You wouldn't see that. You would see mold on a sandwich. I think if you look at us objectively and the way we're headed and the way we've always been, it doesn't matter how much access to information we have, it doesn't matter how much technological innovation we have, we're always going to destroy the earth. Because I think somehow or another that's what we're supposed to do. I think that's our purpose here on earth. I think we are here to fuck shit up. I think we're here to eat the sandwich.
truth is that sometimes the cover song is superior to the original song. And we had, I think, two examples of that there in that set. We started off with Brian Ferry doing the Bob Dylan song, A Hard Rain's A Gonna Fall. And while I do love Bob Dylan an awful lot, that original song is seven minutes. It's kind of tedious. It's extremely well written, but uh, Brian Ferry took it and made it into a fantastic song. And that was Devo doing Ohio by Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. And the original version, very familiar, but kind of bland and saccharine, I would say. Devo really making that song about uh, a tragic, true event. The Kent State shootings. We also had Tracy Bonacorso doing Six Trues in Under a Minute. Truth by Troy Etelaine. Mark on the Bus by the Beastie Boys. And Joe Rogan doing something that I call Eat the Sandwich. Doesn't really have a name. I just gave it that name. And that was the set. It's interesting that you went out of order in talking about the set because I think that is just reinforcement that Anything goes. my pinball thing really had an impact on you. I got to confess that you're I... a little discombobulated. I can tell. Otherwise, you would have gone in from last to first or first to last. Yeah. The pinball thing, you know, I, I pretended to understand it kind of. But I confess that I don't see how that relates to Kant at all. <laughs> you don't see how that relates to Kant at all? No. You're not talking about how it relates to truth? No. Or relates to, relates to Kant? Uh, yeah, you lost me. The wow. fact is, is that that was all way over my head. And uh, I just thought we were doing a show about truth. And that's simple. There's stuff. It's true, true stuff. And that would be the show. And you threw me a curveball. And so I'm still reeling from all of that curveballishness. Why don't you tell me something that's So true. I'll tell you something that's not, not, not true, just not viable or believable. Okay. It goes against my theory anyway, and uh, I think Kant's theory and Nietzsche's as well. But uh, I will, it's uh, Aristotle, actually, in his metaphysics. Uh, here's what he said. To say of what is that it is not, or of what is not that it is, is false. While to say of what is that it is, and of what is not that it is not, is true. That Aristotle could say something completely correct that is completely empty at the same time. That's, it's just, that's he, brilliant. I mean, he, he got to it first. You know, no one no. else, had, he got to it first. No one else had been writing philosophy. So he said all the things that were obviously true that are totally empty before anyone else had a chance to say them. That's true. It's, that's the point is that it's not true. And he's proving the point that there is no truth because it doesn't even make sense. No, it makes perfect sense. I don't care who you are. <laughs> you can't just you mean who say I am a, or who you can't just is. say a whole sentence and then just say is true at the end and expect us all to buy into it. You know, the fact is that truth is not the conformity of the intellect of the things to the things. Here's something that is true, but that's going to not sound true. During World War II, the US military w w spent 2 million dollars developing a bat bomb. And the bat bomb was going to be roughly a million bats. That's not just me being hyperbolic. That's the amount that the project was premised on. Roughly a million bats carrying incendiary bombs into a Japanese city. The theory being that since most of Japan was still built out of wood and paper even, that small bombs that started small fires could quickly spread 
and destroy the entire infrastructure of a city with minimal loss of life. This was a kind of a humanitarian weapon of mass destruction, the bat bomb. And at the same time that the U.S. government was developing the bat bomb, the U.S. government was also developing the later-to-be-used atomic bomb, and they went with the atomic bomb. They didn't go with the bat bomb. Right, but is that true, or is that just an action like the pinball hitting things? Now I have to analyze everything like that. I have to think everything through that particular pinball metaphor, lens, whatever it is. That's how it has to be. I think we should listen to some more, you know, truths with quotes. Hey, this is Nigel from Guitar Zen, and I wanted to say me truth. I remember Hurricane Katrina. It's been 10 years, but I remember it like it was yesterday. I was not actually in New Orleans at the time. I was in Brussels, and I remember seeing it on the telly, probably CNN, maybe BBC, and it was horrifying what was going on, what was not going on. And I just want to say my truth is that let's remember the truth of that time back then 10 years ago and not let people rewrite the history of the hurricane of the Katrina because if people do that and we lose our truth, then we've lost our memory and our history as well. This is Nigel. Peace. Bob, oh my God, there was a huge explosion at your house last night. I know you're in Hawaii on vacation right now. Everything is fine, but your outdoor grill gas line or whatever it is just blew up and the fire department came and it was crazy, but your house didn't burn down. Everything's fine. So I just wanted you to know that because I'm the neighbor with all the numbers um, so I can kind of do the phone tree thing, but I just wanted you to know everything's fine, except your grill has blown up. Um, also want to let you know that you laugh too quickly and too loudly at your own jokes, and it just takes the fun out of the room, and, and that's why nobody else laughs at your jokes, because you do too much of the laughing before anyone gets a chance. Um, also, when you get up in the morning and you go outside, to get your newspaper uh, in your underwear. We all see you. Uh, just because you kind of look around and then run out and do it doesn't mean that we don't see you. It doesn't mean that we're not there. So um, not a great way for, for us to start our day at all. Um, and that's all. I just wanted to let you know what was going on. hope you're having a great time on your trip in Hawaii. I have never been there, uh, but I just hear great things about it. So can't wait. Can't wait to go someday. See you when you get back. Bye.
I do not like thee, Dr. Fell. The reason why I cannot tell, but this I know, and know full well. I do not like thee, Dr. Fell. In 1912, the socialist candidate for president received 900,000 votes, 6% of the ballots cast nationwide. 6% of the vote in the 2012 election would have been nearly 8 million votes. That's the entire population of New York City. Only eight years later, the Socialist Party was in decline, and a very different organization was on the rise. Originally established in the post-Civil War South, the Ku Klux Klan had a second birth 50 years later, thanks to the release of D.W. Griffith's epic silent movie, The Birth of a Nation. The new Klan attacked not only blacks, but Catholics, Jews, foreigners, radicals, bootleggers, and corrupt politicians, and promised to improve law enforcement, protect the Constitution, and revitalize traditional family values. In the years after World War I, the Klan used a combination of slick marketing and organizational savvy to spread its combination of hatred and hope, and it found an attentive audience in the nervous men of the post-war middle class. Among its many effective techniques, the Klan allowed its recruiters, known as Klegels, to keep $4 of the $10 initiation fee. Klegels were sent out into the field with robes to sell, along with lists of members of local fraternal organizations such as the Elks, Moose, and Masons. In Portland, Oregon, a city of only about 250,000 in 1920, the Klan grew to 15,000 members in less than a year, and the Oregon Klan was a major political force by 1922, electing in that year a sympathetic governor and state legislature, which quickly passed a compulsory education bill. This was a signature policy of the Klan that banned parents from sending their children to private schools. The Klan wanted every child to attend public school to make sure they received the proper education in American values. Nationwide, the Klan grew to a peak membership of roughly four to five million, nearly a fifth of the eligible population of native-born Protestant white males. In 1925, 50,000 Klansmen participated in a rally in Washington, D.C., marching down Pennsylvania Avenue to the Capitol building in full regalia. Unlike the Socialists, the Klan never fielded a presidential candidate, but it was rumored that President Warren G. Harding was a Klansman, sworn in at the White House by the Imperial Wizard himself. Harding was also rumored to be part black and to have had a love child with one of his many mistresses, Nan Britton. Britton made the love child rumor official in her 1927 autobiography, claiming that her daughter, Elizabeth Ann, was Harding's child. On August 13, 2015, the New York Times reported that DNA testing had confirmed that Elizabeth Ann was in fact Harding's daughter. That same testing proved that Harding was not in fact part black. By 1927, when Britain's book came out, the Klan was rapidly declining amid scandals and infighting, and by the end of the decade, its membership was down to around 30,000. But broadcast radio and the music recording industry, practically non-existent 10 years earlier, were well established by that time. That was the year that Blind Willie Johnson recorded Dark Was the Night, Cold Was the Ground, a song that Carl Sagan included on the gold-plated record launched into space on the Voyager probe in 1977. Something on my mind Won't somebody please Please tell me what's wrong You're just a fool You know you're in love What you say You got to face it To live in this world You take the good And you the bad Sometimes you're happy And sometimes you're sad One more time You know you love him You can't understand 
Welcome back. That was Fool in Love by Ike and Tina Turner. Yes, it was. Before that, we had the KKK and Warren Harding by Jack Miller. Now, isn't that really Warren G. Harding? Warren Gamaliel Harding, to be precise. Gamaliel, where does that come from? It's his middle name. Oh, like where? Where? Is it a a family name? His parents gave it to him, yeah. I'm so disappointed you don't know that. Before that, we had I Do Not Like Thee, Dr. Fell, written by Tom Brown in 1680 and read by Mike Northcott. Before that, we had Waterfall by X Hex. Before that, we had Voicemail for Bob. And before that, we had Nigel's Truth. Nigel's Truth. There was a lot of true stuff in that set. If truth existed, which apparently newsflash if you're just tuning in to white tiger radio live tonight truth does not exist says shannon and kant and aristotle no aristotle said the other thing aristotle thinks it does kant doesn't nietzsche not so much aquinas he he's kind of on the aristotle tommy plan. A, you're not going to quote tommy a are you come on and uh he you know he says a judgment is said to be true when it conforms to the external reality Oh, external reality. And that's just not, to me, that doesn't make any sense. I don't think that... There is no external reality. It's just all our internal projection of what we call external. There are external actions and there are internal thoughts. They are... We can't ever bridge the gap. I think that's what Kant was really saying. That 
stuff happens out there and we perceive it in here and we can never know whether the stuff that we are perceiving in here matches up with the stuff that's happening out there. Or Which is, that, is far short of being sufficient for truth. Definitely. I'm just going to go around and start saying that. Sufficient for truth. It's far short from being sufficient for truth. <laughs> that's going to really cut the legs out from underneath a lot of people when they talk to you. They're just going to say, uh, I think I need more ice in my car. They're going to walk <laughs> away and they're going to think that lady's crazy. And they're going to think that that is the truth. But there's no get it truth. So you can't be crazy even if you are. It's not true that I'm crazy. The action I took was to say a crazy thing when they were talking to me. Can I talk about David Hume for just a second? You have 30 seconds to talk about Hume. So Hume said that if you're looking at a window and a baseball flies through that window and the window shatters and the baseball lands at your feet and the glass from the window lands at your feet, you are going to think that you've seen the baseball causing the window to break, but all you've really seen is two events that happened in order. Time's and up. You can't. Time's up. Oh, that's all. Come on. Really? That was 30 seconds? I got it. That was fast. I didn't need you to keep going on. I oh, got it. Okay. So you, you didn't even count. That didn't even matter how much time that was. I mean, you're just basically saying what I've been saying all night. Thank you. I appreciate it. None taken. Now we can add Hume to the... Uh, Kant and Nietzsche cheerleading squad. It's true. So we're doing the Niagara of Truth show tonight, and the truth is going to continue to rain down upon ye. Chickamauga Trail whiskey. You can drink it for the taste, or you can drink it to ease the pain. Chickamauga Trail, Kentucky bourbon whiskey. Tastes great eases the pain. I think this might be the beginning of a beautiful relationship. Chickamauga Trail urges you to drink responsibly. Chickamauga Trail Kentucky Bourbon Whiskey is an official sponsor of White Tiger Radio. I don't remember much. I think, was it 1986? So I would have been 11 or 12, I think. Let's see. I guess I would have been six years old, maybe? Five or six? I guess I was 14. So it was 88, summer of 84, that we... Emerson's took a trip. John and I decided to take the kids to New England. And this was part of, I think it was a, a bigger New England vacation we were on. I think we were all over that part of the country. We were going to New York City. We must have traveled around. We drove from Ohio. We must have gone to various, I think maybe that was when we went to Boston. Maybe we went to New England too. I'm not sure. It was a two-week driving trip. And so I think we probably did the big the tour. We were on a vacation to Washington, D.C., and we were gonna stay outside the DC and stay in New Jersey, I think is where it was. Fort Lee, not New Jersey, Fort Lee somewhere. We wanted to go to New York City, uh, take the kids to New York City, but we didn't want to stay in the heart of New York because it cost too much, and there were six of us. Because it, it saved money, we were staying in Fort Lee, New Jersey, which was across the George Washington Bridge. And so we stayed at a hotel 
in Fort Lee because it was cheaper than staying in downtown Manhattan. We were going to go to New York City, and of course, we were not going to stay in New York City because why would you do that? Why would you spend additional money? And rather than pay for prices for a hotel closer to Washington, D.C., we stayed outside at a hotel that had a pool. It's pretty standard that we would get a hotel room at a hotel that had a pool because we would often take a break in the day, go swim in the pool, or do it before dinner, and just have that be sort of an additional fun piece to the vacation was to be able to swim and just relax. So I found, I think it was a Holiday Inn in Fort Lee, New Jersey, and we could all six stay in one room. We were staying in Fort Lee, New Jersey, and I believe it was a Holiday Inn. I imagine it was. It was something like that that had things we needed. And I think there were two, two queen-size beds, and there was a rollaway, and somebody slept on the floor. And we kind of traded during the night, or each night, somebody else slept on the floor. So the first morning, we were going to go in to get on the subway train. We called a taxi. First day we were there and we tried to get over the bridge. It was early in the morning and we were going to go into New York City. We called a cab to take us there. I wasn't privy to the planning. However, on day one, we woke up at probably, you know, 6 a.m. on vacation. And so we could get a full day in. The night before, I had gone to the hotel uh, lobby and said, I have some Capri Sun, little boxes of Capri Sun drinks for the kids. Yeah. And I asked them if they would put them in the freezer because then in the morning I would take them out and I would carry them in my backpack. Mm -hmm. So they would start out frozen, but by the time the kids were thirsty, they were still cold. So I picked those up in the morning. I had those in my backpack plus other things uh, in my backpack. We called a taxi or we had the hotel call us a taxi and it pulled up and there we were out, out front of the hotel. There were six of us and then we tried to get into the cab. The cab driver said, no, 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 can't have this many people in a cab. Not going to work. The taxi showed up and we all started piling in and about I think half the family had gotten in when the taxi driver was like, no, too many people. I can't take this many people. So the first day we called a cab and the cab would not take six people. It could only fit four people in it. And the cab came to the hotel to pick us up. And when he saw us, he said, no, 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 no. We all tried, all six of us tried to get into one taxi. And the driver wouldn't allow us to. And the taxi driver basically just said, no, you know, there are too many of you. You can't, I I won't take you. So then it came up, well, we would have to take two taxis. So it was going to cost us twice as much. We talked about getting two cabs, but that would cost twice as much money and we didn't want to spend that much money. Dad said we weren't going to pay for two cabs so that's why we had to figure out a way to walk. We weren't going to pay for two taxis. That had been too much money. Yeah. What's the point of staying in Fort Lee if you're going to pay for two taxis because then you're just spending as much as you probably would have spent to have a hotel in New York City. So no two taxis. That was not, we were not going to do that. So then we had to find another route to get into the city and I I think I mean I think it must have in my mind it happened really quickly or it was like okay we can't take a taxi let's walk to the bus we can do that dad mom said we'd walk 
Let's walk. For some reason that I will never, that I don't understand, and I have to maybe listen to other people's stories or ask mom and dad again, we had to walk to this bus. So I think Grandpa John went to the, or talked to the cab driver, and he said you could just walk across the George Washington Bridge and get to New York City and then take the, uh, the subway into the city. So what we decided to do was we decided we were going to walk from our hotel. I don't really remember anybody saying anything. So it's early. We've been rejected by the taxi. We need to get into New York City. And so the plan was we'll just walk to the bus stop. Maybe somebody told us that we could do that. I don't think so. I don't imagine anyone who knew what was going on would have recommended we walk to the bus stop. So we just started walking. And to get to the bus, we had to walk along a highway and up around an exit ramp. And there was a path there, mostly that path, it seems, was paved by homeless people because there was trash. I suppose it was a mile okay. or so. But the problem was there were no sidewalks that went from where we were to where we were going to go. Now there wasn't a walk that would take us through a neighborhood or on sidewalks, for instance. This was a walk that would basically take us on a trail along the highway. So to get there, we had to cross the exit ramp and we had to walk along inside the guardrail. I have faint images of guardrail and high weeds. There was tall grass. It was summertime, so the grass was kind of dead. It was very tall grass we were walking in, walking right along the highway, right along the guardrail. And we had to sometimes get over the guardrail so we wouldn't get hit by cars. Grandpa John was in front and I was at the rear and we had four kids in between us and we walked along the freeway right up the entrance ramp. Dad liked to get up early and get our day started so we had to go up early during rush hour traffic. Parents and four young kids, you know, probably aging from second grade to sixth grade or seventh grade, something like that, had to walk along the highway to get to the bus stop. So it was quite the thing to have my mom have a backpack. And we went in the sh in the weeds. In the I remember it was tall weeds, but we were on the over on the other side of the guardrail, so we were on the other side of the cars, but they could see us. Luckily, it was rush hour, I guess, because that meant the cars were going slowly, and they had time to look at us and say, "What in the hell are those people doing?" And there were six of us all in a row, you know, country people, first time in the city with our backpacks and our short shorts. And people were waving at us, and some people thought we were pretty silly because we looked like ducks in a row with the papa duck in front and the mama duck in the back and all the little ducklings in between. Oh, yeah. The kids were embarrassed well, because here we were walking along the highway mm -hmm. like tramps and because there was really not supposed to be anybody walking there. We were all kind of embarrassed, I think, the kids oh. were. It's like... This isn't the cool way to do this. Yeah. And the people and like people are probably looking at us like, who are those idiots? I was so mad and there uh, I remember I can remember being so mad. I and I remember my dad who was leading the way, actually stopping 
and turning around and making us all stop and so we could take a picture of us. There's a couple pictures that we have in our photo albums of us all standing in a single line. Like dad turned around and took the picture of us in the, in the woods or in the weeds. And I remember at the time just, I was so mad. I was like, I'm going to look away. My, my rebellion right now is going to be to not look in the direction of the camera. And that was so satisfying at the time. And, and, and that picture exists. I have seen it and I remembered it. And it was so satisfying to see that I, my actions were pointless and it made no difference to anyone except myself, but I felt it at the time. So I kind of remember the picture more than I remember hiking over the bridge. Yeah. And then we got to the bus station and we got on a bus and took that bus to the subway, which then took us into the city. And I was so happy to have gotten to the bus because I, I knew that we were probably going to make it into the city and that I, I only had probably three more trips along that highway. We went to the subway station and we didn't know very well how to get around and they were the nicest people that helped us out showed us a map told us we said where we wanted to go and they told us what stop we should get off we took the bus to the subway and the subway to the city and finally arose onto new york city and we had a wonderful time and i'm trying to think if we walked on the way back when we came back, I don't remember walking after, you know, at the end of the day when we came back to the hotel. And we did that several mornings. Every morning we'd get up and walk along the highway and walk along the exit ramp. And that's what we did. And of course, for me, being 14, going to New York was going to be like, I was going to go to New York and I was going to be amazing and I was going to see things and people were going to finally realize how uh, fantastic I was and how I belonged in a city like New York. Yet my introduction was the most horrifying and embarrassing walk with my family along the highway with all these people, legitimate city people who were actually doing the thing. And there I was just... There's no way that that was the way it was it was done, but that's the way we were doing it. But it was all it was a, all it's a great trip and good memories. That's my Fort Lee story. There it is. That's a bunch of truth. I think we can say that's truth because that was six people telling a story and they were isolated from each other. They were not in the room telling it together and remembering it together. They were individually recorded separately, and that's I would call that intersubjectivity, wouldn't you? You're just not getting it. Just not getting it. Doesn't matter if it were a hundred people. It's still not truth. But something happened, and then they all perceived it in a certain way. And there's, I mean, there's some discrepancies, a little bit of difference in an emphasis. But they all remember. I mean, if nothing else, the taxi driver said, "No, no, no. You can't. I can't take you." So that's truth, right? Intersubjectively verified truth. No, it's not. Okay, well, here's, here's, this is a statement that needs to be made, whether it's true or not. Oh. The Fort Lee story was recorded by Zane Emerson and edited by Jack Miller. And that piece was produced not specifically for the show tonight, but for the Zane and Dad Radio Hour, which is a new project of the White Tiger Radio podcast. It's as though White Tiger Radio became Alphabet. Like Google became Alphabet, and now Google is a, under the umbrella of Alphabet. We now have a White Tiger Radio umbrella, and under that umbrella we have the Zane and Rad, Zane and Rad, Zane and Dad, Zane and Dad Radio Hour, it's a and the 
White Tiger Live, which is happening right now. Live on the so internet, streaming, or you're listening sometimes to the podcast. Sometimes the podcast will be edited down, pre-recorded, made pretty and perfect. Sometimes the podcast will be this, live radio. Messy me and you talking to each other across the table yeah. with microphones. And we'll have probably in the future have interviews. And we might have, I don't even know what we We might have. have a two minute something maybe, or a... Six minute something? I don't know. I like to think of... There's going to be a lot of Nietzsche, I think. I'm pretty sure. A lot of Nietzsche or some Nietzsche? There's a difference. I mean, well, why would I even say that? Why would I say that? See, now you've gotten... You're in my head and I don't even know why anything that I say should be even anything because there's no truth, apparently. I walked in the door tonight, nine o'clock, prepared to do the Niagara of Truth, which is supposed to be all about true things, and then the both metaphorical and philosophical rug is yanked out from underneath of me. You know what's interesting is that... I don't. It does matter which side the toilet paper roll no. rolls from. It does matter. No, that's both. I don't care totally. what Tracy says. She it was right. matters. She's totally right about that. It matters. It's important. She's 100% right about that. It doesn't matter. Why would it matter? So here's here's what I want. I, okay, I, I'm, this is what Nietzsche said. Sidestepping the toilet paper issue, Nietzsche... He said... We still do not know where the urge for truth comes from. For as yet, we have heard only the obligation imposed by society that it should exist. So you see how it works in with the pinball? I do. And I, my favorite, one of my favorite Nietzsche quotes is, why do we prefer truth? Why not rather untruth? That's off my memory so it's probably wow. not accurate. Yeah. Now you're just showing off. <laughs> so uh, I'm showing off, but I want to not show off. So how would I do that? How would I not show off? Um, probably by shutting up, pushing a button, and letting someone else have the stage. Dun 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 dun. Announcing the premiere of the Zane and Dad Radio Hour, Episode One: A Family of Storytellers. You'll hear a lot of stories from the Emerson family. I don't remember much. I think, was it 1986? They're not always pretty. I remember when Brett uh, quit wrestling, he felt bad about it and he cried a little bit. And they don't always make sense. Oh, no, no. Who put that? Bixby. Yang. But they can be funny. Griffin shouted from the yard, Bye, Lila! And he turned and drove off. And they can be poignant. I don't remember ever being on a sidewalk. It was literally felt like the whole time we were walking by the highway. And if you listen closely, you just might learn something. The bathrooms in that museum are much better. They've got manual flush toilets, they're not crowded, and they're big. The Zane and Dad Radio Hour brings you a family of storytellers. Well, let's see. Available at zaneemerson.com. And as a WTR podcast. The Zane and Dad Radio Hour, coming soon to the device of your choice. Don't be a dumbass. Listen to the Zane and Dad Radio Hour. Like most of us, my mother Kay had a complicated relationship with the truth. But she also prided herself on telling it like it is. You knew where you stood with her. The truth is that Kathleen Cecilia Duffy LeDuc came from a large family of 12 children. She was third youngest of the 12, and as she was growing up, there was always a crowd around. I think that made her feel safe. Kay married a bit later than her other siblings. She was 28. My dad was 30. By that time, she was already Aunt Kay to dozens of little Duffies. Naturally, my mom and dad expected to have their own brood of dark-haired, green-eyed French-Irish kids. But after many months of trying, they decided they had to start their family another way. 
So in the 60s, my parents adopted three infants from Catholic Charities, my two older brothers and me. My mom and dad kept trying to have more kids, though. Kay wanted that crowd. And in 1969, my sister Carrie was born, something of a miracle baby to my parents. From a very young age, my parents always told us the truth about who we were. They told us that while my brothers and I were not their biological offspring, we were their children in every sense of the word. Along with my sister, we were all theirs. Sometimes an adult would come up to my mom at a picnic or a party and look us kids up and down as if trying to work out a problem in their heads. We all looked completely different, ranging from pale, white-haired blonde to brown-skinned with black hair. No one bore any real resemblance to anyone else. Not even my sister looked like my parents. Then in front of us, the grown-up would ask Kay the question they had on their minds. Why, look at your good-looking children. Now which one is yours? Kay would point to each of us in turn, saying, Well, that one's the milkman's, and that one's the postman's, that one's the refrigerator repairman's, and I'm pretty sure this one is the local police chief's. Sometimes she'd laugh hard after this reply, sometimes not. If she had a cigarette in hand, she'd take a long drag and exhale over her heads. The questioner would initially look confused, then sheepish. They're all mine, damn it, my mom would finally say, laughing and shaking her head. They're all mine. If you don't want to kiss me, say so, baby, somebody else will. time I decided to go to a baseball game so I went to go see San Francisco Giants play another team on a warm sunny afternoon I got a seat up on the third deck and went by myself which I wasn't sure whether I was going to enjoy it or not but I ended up sitting next to a guy who was pretty friendly we chatted you know he seemed like a fan he had binoculars around his neck and everything and it was warm, we were in the sun, I got a cold Coke, he had a cold Coke. And then at one point he sort of leaned over and he put his Coke into my personal space and he said, Smell my Coke. 
And so, I mean, we'd been kind of friendly and chatting, so it seemed only polite for me to smell his Coke. I did, and it smelled uh, like alcohol and Coke. Um, so then he winked at me and he said, you want your Coke to smell like mine? And, and he tapped the binoculars, kind of letting me know that they weren't really binoculars. And that's, that's when I learned the truth, which is that people really do buy those fake binoculars. I've never forgotten it. That was Jack and Coke by the Felines. Before that, we had The Truth About Coke by Eric Schneiwind. Before that, we had George Jones and Tammy Wynette singing If You Don't, Somebody Else Will. That's true. That's true. You're still on that? It's true. That there's truth? I've taken a stand and I'm standing by my stand. Before that, we had Kay's Truth by Sandra LaDuke. Aha. Uh-huh. And at the top of that set, we had the Zane and Dad Radio Hour preview or promo. Teaser. Or teaser. So again, White Tiger Radio. Umbrella. Is the umbrella. Good. You are paying attention. I didn't think you were. And under the umbrella, we have things such as the Zane and Dad Radio Hour. Things such as White Tiger Radio Live. Which you're listening to right now. And other stuff. I think there's going to be... That don't maybe... Not everything will have a new name. Right. There's going to be things that are highly produced, things that are improvisational, things that are whatever we want them to be. The umbrella. See, you're saying umbrella, and I like to think of White Tiger 
radio podcast as being kind of happy days and the rest of the stuff being like Joni Loves Chachi and the Jeffersons. Didn't didn't uh, George Jefferson mm, first appear in Happy know. Days? Maybe. I believe he did. Maybe. Yeah. Or was did he appear in uh, what was the one with the guy with the chair, the cranky guy? Uh, all in the family. Oh, all in the family. Yeah. Jeffersons came from All in the Family. Right. So really, the Zane and Dad Radio Hour is probably more like the Jeffersons and less like Joni Los Chachi. It's kind of hard. No, to it's not like the Jeffersons. No. It's not that kind of. It's more like Warren G. Harding's umbrella. Right. Where he had, you know. The Secretary of State, the Vice President. The Cabinet. Yeah, yeah. The Cabinet. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm picking it up while you're laying down. Boy. That's... What a night. The night of What truths. a show. It's been a, been a little over an hour of truths and not truths and debates about whether truth even exists. Have I read a Nietzsche quote already? I can't remember. So I can't if you remember have, either. I, I mean... For, who cares? And if you didn't, then get to it. Let's hear it. Three, two, one, go. The falseness of a judgment is to us not necessarily an objection to a judgment. Mm. So this goes back to the pinball. Oh, yeah, of course. Everything goes back to the pinball. Indeed. And that will become clear. Well, I think that we've reached a point in time, if time even exists, which, I mean, time, forget about it. I don't even want to start talking about time. I don't think you have the clearance to talk about time on the radio. No. Uh, I can, however, talk about, I guess, pretty much whatever I want, right? That's the beauty of it. <laughs> what, you're, yeah. that's uh, So far, I have not had the big duct tape across the mouth. Did you have something you wanted to talk about in particular? There's so much. I mean, there's a full moon tonight. That's a true thing. Uh, we can't see it, though, because of the clouds. So is it really up there? And... Uh, the divorce rate is down to roughly 40% these days. And isn't it, is it a super full moon? It's, it's, I think it has the term like super full moon because it's something. It's like a blue super full moon no, that we can't it's see. it's not blue. It's not blue? It's super. I don't know. It's super, super blue. It's a moon. So, and right. Divorce rate. I mean, people are always it. like, it's all going to shit, but really it's not. Things are getting better. Yeah. People are getting divorced less often than in the past uh there's also things like there are ages in which the rational man and the intuitive man stand side by side the one in fear of intuition the other with scorn for abstraction that's got to be schopenhauer no that's nietzsche still with the nietzsche he's the best hit me with some schopenhauer i don't have any schopenhauer other than of course well the old saw. The the Schopenhauer who said, right now I can't remember it. We can't uh, control what we think, only, only what, what we, we do. do. Wasn't it Schopenhauer who said, we can't control what we think, we can only control what we do? Artie Schopenhauer, indeed. I think he was buddies with uh, Freddie Kant. They, were, they hung out in uh, Germany, not really a place at the time that they were there. It wasn't a country. That's a true thing, too. Mm. I have so many true things that one radio show hardly seems large enough to hold it all. Luckily, we do White Tiger Radio Live once a month, and next month we're going to be doing another show, Saturday, September 26th. We'd love it if you would tune in. If you don't tune in, we'd love it if you would get the podcast. If you don't do that, we would love it if you would take a flying fuck at the moon. Full moon tonight. Wow. Yeah. Didn't so that, what's did our you? next show about? 
Our next what show is our next show about is a first for us. We're doing a tribute to somebody that is very special in our minds. We're doing a tribute to Chris Christopherson. It's kind of a documentary tribute, all-star fanfare. It's going to be a Chris Christopherson show, and it right. will be. We don't know what it is because whatever we make, we it don't it. haven't done it yet. But it's a Christopher Christopherson Christmas fest. fest thing tribute fest. Yeah, Christopher Christopherson yeah. Fest. We're still working it out. That's next month. That will be, in fact, our second anniversary show. We will have been on the air for two years at that point. So it marks the beginning of our third year, which I think is probably confusing to some people. Second anniversary means the beginning of your third year. You know, like when you turn 40, what you're really doing is beginning your 41st year. That's I think that's confusing to a lot of people. Oh, if you need me to, I'll quote more Nietzsche. I, but I, I'm, I'm just kind of laying out. I'm just, I'm waiting, waiting for it. Let's have one more Nietzsche. So I just want to say that the truth is I've had a really good time tonight. I've also had a really good time. That's true. Sometimes I don't know where this dirty road is taking me Sometimes I can't even see the reason why I guess I keep gambling, lots of booze and lots of rambling It's easier than just waiting around to die I had them all, hell I even had a paw He beat her with the belt once cause she cried She told him to take care of me Headed back to Tennessee It's easier than just waiting around to die Yeah, I guess it's easier than just waiting around to die Came of age and I found a girl down in the Tuscaloosa bar. She cleaned me out and hit it on the sly. I tried to kill the pain. I bought some wine and hopped the train. It's easier than just waiting around to die. Yeah, it seemed easier than just waiting around to die.
I got me a friend at last He don't drink or steal or cheat or lie His name's Codeine He's about the nicest thing I ever seen Together we're gonna wait around to die Taking me It's easier than just waiting around to die 